0: Uh, I don't know what you have planned for Chris or for New Year's Eve. If you do anything fun and exciting tonight, maybe you do something with your family tomorrow. I don't know what your plans are. Uh, maybe you are one of the. This is what I would like to do. It's not what I'm going to get to do. What I would like to do is go to bed at nine tonight. Uh, that's not going to happen. I suggested it, and I got angry scowls from my family. Uh, so that's not, maybe that's what you're going to do. I, I would enjoy doing that. I also uh, wonder if there's any of you who would be like me. I'm hoping I don't get invited to a sauerkraut meal tomorrow. That also is not going to happen because it's at my house. I can't leave. Uh, the sauerkraut, my house, stinks right now. If I'm looking for invitations uh, for a new family uh, t- <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, if, if you're not having sauerkraut, talk to me. after. No, I'm just kidding. I would get more angry, scowls. Look, I, I don't know what your plan is tonight, tomorrow. If it's exciting or not, but here's what I do know. I do know that I have an exciting or an exciting uh, uh, idea, thought. Uh, Plan, I guess. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more as it unfolds, and it comes directly from the Word of God. Check this out. It's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24. It's on the screen. You can go ahead and have your Bibles ready because we're going to be in Ephesians 4 today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says this Put on the new self. Put on the new self. And this new self is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put on the new self. I was at the gym recently and one of the guys that I work out with, and I won't tell you his name, it starts with a J and it ends in an error, but I won't tell you, I won't tell you who he is, uh, but one of the guys I work out with, he, he asked the question, what are your goals what are your goals for this coming year? What are your goals for 2024? And what are my goals? I, I really hadn't thought about it. I wasn't prepared to answer that question. I, I really hadn't thought uh, about that. I, I didn't know how to answer it because I don't really want to run any more Spartan races. I don't. It's kind of out of my system. I don't, I don't want any more shoulder surgeries from trying to lift too much weight like I did in the past. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't really want to get back into fitness modeling. That's not where I want my life to go. Uh, that's a different story for a different day. Uh, honestly, as, when he asked me, I thought about it and I could not think of a good reason to be there anymore. So I left, I just left, I just, <laughs> I, I didn't leave, but, but he got me thinking about my goals and not just, you know, fitness goals, not just for the gym. But just about life in general, I started thinking about, okay, what are, what are my goals, goals for this year? And that led into this question. As I thought about that, I led into this question, well, I wonder what God's goals are for me. Have you ever thought about that? You know, we, we see all these commercials on TV that are trying to get us to think in terms of fitness goals and exercise goals and healthy goals and all those types, and that's fine. Uh, but I don't know how often I've intentionally thought, I wonder what God's goals are for me this year. That's a different question, isn't it? As I thought about that, it led me then to this verse that says, put on the new self. And the reason I thought about that particular passage is because even though that sounds like it's a one-time event, put on the new self, sounds like it's a one-time thing, you put it on, and then that's the end of it. But that's not what the verse actually means. That, that phrase uh, is a continual verb. So it, it literally means keep putting on the new self. It's an ongoing thing. Well, that's a goal. That's a daily goal for our lives. That's a goal to put on the new self and keep putting on the new self is a goal for a year. That's God's goal for us year after year, day after day. And so as we step into a new year, I don't know, maybe you do have some some goals for this coming year, and that's great if you do, maybe you're more like me at the gym, you're just not really sure what goals to aspire to. Maybe you're just kind of grumpy and like, ah, goals, whatever. And I don't know where you're at with all of the goal thing. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God does have an expectation of us that year after year, day after day, it might be a new year, but the goal doesn't change. The goal that God has for your life and for my life is to put on the new self and keep putting on the new self day after day, week after week, year after year, until we leave this life and we're made perfect. And I know when I say that out loud, uh, I don't think, anyway, I I don't think I would get a lot of pushback if if, uh, if I were to say, I think this is a really good goal. I don't think most people would say, no, it's not a good goal. But like any other goal, even if we agree this is a good goal, you, you, you have to have a plan in mind on how you're gonna reach it. Like any goal, they they aren't like the, the trees in the Bob Ross painting, they aren't happy accidents. You have to be intentional. We need a solid plan on how we're actually gonna reach this goal. How do I put on the new self? How do I live this new life in Jesus? And so that's what I'd like to talk with you about this morning. I'd like us to spend a little bit of time in Ephesians chapter 4 in this little section of Scripture. And we're going to look for answers to questions like how how do we actually do this? How do we put on the new self? What's that mean? What does it look like? How do I live a new life? What's a new life look like? How do I do that? So if you go to Ephesians 4, I'm going to start in verse 17. Verse 17 says... I tell you this, I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles Gentiles do in their futility of thinking. Before you and I can put on the new self, we have to make a decision that we're going to stop putting on the old self, that we're going to take off the old self. We have to make a decision, I'll put it this way, We have to make a decision that we are no longer going to live like unsaved people. Want just put it that way? We're no longer going to live like people who don't know Jesus. And that's a decision that we have to make year after year, day after day. What does the life of an unsaved person look like? What does the life of an unsaved person, someone who doesn't know Jesus, look? If if I don't want to pattern my life after someone who doesn't know Jesus, well, what does that look like? Well, it's described for us uh, starting here in the rest of verse 17. Let me read it to you again. Don't live as the Gentiles. Don't live like people. Don't pattern your life after people who don't know Jesus. And the first description is they have this futility in their thinking, they are darkened. In their understanding, they are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Let's just start with these descriptions here. Let's start with the first one, futility of thinking. It's an ineffective way of thinking. This is not a measure of intelligence. It's not what this is. It's a way of thinking that has this tendency to lead to bad solutions for life's problems. Life has challenges. Life has problems. And as we look for solutions, the futile thinking of the unsaved mind has this tendency to come up with solutions that are not good, that don't actually fix The root problem, which is sin. It's kind of like the commercials for drugs to treat STDs. The solution, if we really want to eliminate the problem of STDs, the solution is quite simple. It is God's plan for sexuality. God's plan for sexuality is, is quite simple. Uh, sex is to be enjoyed within the context of a marriage between one man and one woman. That's it, simple. We do that and, and, and the STD problem's done, fixed. But the feudal mind doesn't like that. That's not even considered a reasonable solution. No, the, the mind that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know God's truth, says, you know what we need to do? We need to manage the STD problem with drugs. And that makes total sense to the mind that is futile in its thinking. See, when people don't know Jesus, they they experience this darkened understanding of the world that we live in. They don't know God, so they don't understand God. And so they don't understand why the world is the way it is. They don't understand themselves. Why they are the way that they are. Why do I do what I do? And it's not a lack of knowledge. It's not a stupidity. It's not that at all. It's an ignorance. What's described here is an ignorance of God. And when you have an ignorance of God, you have an ignorance of truth. And that just has this tendency to, to live a life without wisdom. Other places in scripture, uh, those who don't know Christ, they're described as spiritually dead. And, and because of that, what's described here, there's like this, this uh, lack of spiritual sensitivity to the truth because of a spiritual blindness, a spiritual darkness in understanding. And, and it's described here as a calloused heart towards spiritual things. They just can't... Get it. If all of this sounds harsh, you're sitting here, well, that's kind of mean. It's not meant to be mean. It's not meant to be harsh. Not, not every unsaved person is a monster. Not everyone who does not know Jesus is a murderer or a pedophile. In fact, I know some unsaved people personally, friends of mine, that do not know Jesus. And they're very kind. In fact, I, I would go so far as to say uh, some of them, uh, they treat people better than some churchgoers that I know treat people. This description of someone who does not know Christ, it, it's, it's not about putting people down. It's about helping the follower of Jesus understand why it is that an unsaved person does not see the world the way we see it. It's not that they're stupid. We don't have to scratch our heads. Now, I know it's frustrating. I know it's like, ah, oh, what is, what is, we look at the, 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 the news and we see people gathering uh, around the world in these cities, they're shutting down airports and, and having these protests with this hatred towards Israel. I'm like, what is happening? We, we this didn't happen uh, when when Ukraine uh, started fighting back against Russia. Why why are these people so angry that Israel is the right? We're asking these questions. If it doesn't. We don't have to wonder why they don't know God. And because they don't know God, they don't understand his word. They don't understand uh, that God has made this promise to Israel that goes back to the time of, of Abraham. They, they don't get that. That makes no sense to them. And so they've bought into the lie that Satan feeds them. Because they don't, they don't get it. They don't understand. It's not they're stupid. Now maybe you know there's there's stupid people in the world. I understand that. But I'm just saying overall this is this is a spiritual this is a spiritual insensitivity issue that we're seeing. We don't have to wonder why an unsaved person cannot seem to see abortion as the murder of an innocent child. They don't see it that way. They don't they don't know God and so they don't understand what God teaches us about the eternal soul and how the eternal soul is connected to life at the moment of conception that makes no sense to them. We don't have to wonder why a group of teenagers in Kansas, I saw that this week, a group of teenagers in Kansas started a uh, Satan worship club in their school. And there was some pushback in the community. You know, we shouldn't be allowed to do this constitutionally, they are allowed to do it. And so there was some frustration over why why is the school board letting this happen? I get that. But really there's a there's a more important, there's a deeper question to be asked here. Why are they wanting to do this in the first place? And when we think about it from a spiritual perspective, we don't really have to wonder why they want to do this. It's really not not that much of a mystery. They want to feel like they belong. They want to feel like they matter. They want to feel like they have purpose and identity that has worth. And because they don't know God, they don't understand that God is offering all of that in a way that the Satan worship club is never going to satisfy for them. They don't get it. They don't see it because they're spiritually blind. So when we see unsaved people acting like unsaved people, people who don't know Jesus, or when, when unsaved people get frustrated with us and spew hatred towards those of us who have Bible-based conclusions about the solutions to life's problems, about morality, when they get frustrated or spew hatred towards us, we, we, we should not be shocked. I don't even know that we need to be angry. Later on in verse 31, at the end of this section, it, it talks about uh, being kind, verse 32 rather, being kind, being compassionate, forgiving, forgiving, And and I think in the context of what's being described here, it's not just that we are kind to each other, to our Christian friends alone. It's a kindness and compassion and forgiveness towards everyone. What did Jesus say about our enemies and those who persecute us? Jesus challenged us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. And he didn't just challenge us, he lived (laughs) it. Remember Jesus from the cross? What did Jesus say from the cross? Father what? And then there was something after forgive them. What was it? They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. How is it that Jesus can hang from a cross being tortured to death, can look down at the people who are torturing him, who who are laughing as he's dying, and utter the words forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Doing it's because he understands. Spiritually blind, they don't understand spiritual things. And yet Jesus demonstrated his love for sinners by dying as a sacrificial payment for our sin, even for those who would reject him. And that leads us back to. Ephesians 4 20 to 24 what we're going to talk about today this goal of the goal is to put on the new self and live the new life put on the new self and live the new life let's just work our way down through it verse 20 you however you, you have a different way to live don't don't imitate those who don't know Jesus don't pattern your life after them you've got a different way to live You did not come to know Christ that way. It's not not how Jesus lives. It's not what Jesus taught us how to live. And when it says know Christ, it's not talking about knowing information about Jesus like we know biographical information about George Washington. It's about knowing Christ personally. And the way for you and I to know Christ personally is right here in his word we have to spend time studying his word praying it, it, it's not this this complicated you know meditation method of chance it's not you know a pilgrim pilgrimage off into the deep dark woods looking for you know some secret it's 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 simple it's reading the word of god every day praying asking asking the holy spirit What what do you want to teach me? What do you need to change me? What do you need me to learn as I'm reading this? Help me understand what I'm reading and change my heart, change my mind. It's that attitude. It's it's an attitude towards the reading of God's word. That I want to be changed by it when when I'm reading it. I don't just want to know information. I want to know the heart of Jesus. Next week, we're starting a brand new sermon series, and we're gonna work our way through the book of John this year. And as we work our way through the book of John, we are gonna be asking this this life-transforming question week after week, and it's simply this, who is Jesus? We need to know who Jesus is. If we want our hearts and our minds to be transformed, if we want to be like Jesus, we need to know who Jesus is at a heart level, and so we're going to take our time this year, we're going to work our way through uh, the book of John week after week asking, who is, who is Jesus? Because this new self, this new life is rooted in imitating Jesus, so we need to know who he is. Verse 21 goes on to say this, surely you heard of him, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Jesus. Don't take for granted, please don't take for granted the the incredible blessing that you and I, as as followers of Christ, we can know what is true. It's an incredible blessing to be able to walk through life and have confidence that we can actually know truth because we know Jesus who gives us truth. You and I can know the truth about God. There are people uh, all around us, people that you work with, friends, family, That are struggling today because they don't know the truth about God. Does he exist? What's he like? They have all of these questions. But we can know the truth about God and who he is and and, and about his heart and what matters to him. We know the truth about the human condition. Why are we the way we are? Because we're messed up by sin. We know that to be true. We can know the truth about creation and and, and our origins and where did all of this come from. We know the truth about history. We can know the truth about our purpose in life. There are people that you know that are struggling because they don't understand. This life seems absolutely pointless to them. I get up. I brush my teeth, I take a shower, I put on my clothes, I go do my thing for the day, come home, I go to bed, I do it all again the next day. What's the point? There are people who who are struggling with that. But because we know God, because we know truth, we know we have purpose. Don't take that for granted. We know how we can actually have healthy relationships. Now, that doesn't mean we're always really good at it, but we know how to do it because of God's word. We know how to have strong marriages. We know how to be good parents because of the truth of God's word. We know how to find peace and joy and satisfaction in this life. How many people do you know that desperately wish they had joy, peace, and satisfaction in their lives? And we have access to it because of the truth of God's word. We know the truth about death. We know the truth about what's on the other side of this life. There are people that you know that right now believe that when you die, that's it. Lights out. You just cease to exist. There's nothing more. Think about going through life if that's what you believe. How absolutely pointless everything we do would be don't take for granted that you know the truth about death and about eternal life and what's on the other side of this life for the eternal soul. We can know the truth about all kinds of things because God has revealed the truth to us in his word. I I don't lie awake at night wondering about my pronouns. I don't think about it. Honestly, I don't, I don't even give it a thought. And it is not because I'm smarter than someone who is struggling with their identity. I'm, I'm probably not smarter than that person. But because I know God, because I know his word clearly defines men and women, because I know that God's word clearly says that every man Every woman, every child has value, has an identity of worth, has a purpose on this planet. I know all of these things to be true about everyone because God's word has revealed it as truth. Don't take for granted the fact that you have access to truth because there's people that are desperately looking for it. Next verse, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Basically repeating what we saw in verse 17, stop living like an unsaved person. Don't pattern your life after someone who doesn't know Jesus. And I just want you to know, I'll be the first to admit in this room that I fall short of God's standards way more than I would care to admit. But I'm not okay with it. Does that make sense? I don't live a perfect life, but I'm not okay with it when I fail. Living a life that is less than God's best is not my goal in life. And it should not be the goal of anyone who claims their salvation in Jesus to be real. My goal is not to pattern my life after people who are not pursuing Jesus. My goal is not to chase after the things that matter to people who are not pursuing Jesus. And as someone who cares about your eternal soul, I am begging you to look honestly at your own life. And if what you see looks like the life of an unsaved person, it doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. You need to come back to the gospel of Jesus Christ You need to experience what we see here in verses 23 and 24. To be made new in the attitude of your mind. To put on the new self. To live this new life. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The goal is this new mind. This new self, this, this new worldview, this new attitude is described in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's on the screen for you. As, as a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old's gone, the new is come. It's not a better version of yourself. It's not a slightly improved version of yourself. It's a brand, we we are a brand new creation. And when it says here that when God recreates us, he creates us to be like him in righteousness, to be like him in holiness. In other words, he creates us to live this new life like Jesus, to pattern our lives after Jesus, to stop patterning our lives after those who don't know Jesus. That's what he's created us to be. And this new person is equipped with a desire for moral purity, a a spiritual understanding. The darkness is lifted. The cloud is lifted. And now not only do we have clarity, we can have clarity on spiritual things when we read God's word, we also have been given power to actually live out the moral purity that we see in God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. He's provided everything. Everything we need for life and godliness, God provides. Salvation, when you and I trust Christ as our Savior, here's what happens. There's this spiritual union that takes place between us and Jesus. We have a new position with God. We were God's enemy, but now because of Jesus, we repent of sin, we trust Christ to forgive us, now we have a new position with with God, We we are no longer an enemy, we are a friend. We are no longer an enemy, we are a son, we are a daughter. Our position with God changes. We have a new heart, we are spiritually alive. The spiritual fog is lifted. Things that didn't make spiritual sense before now make spiritual sense. We don't become smarter, we just have spiritual sight to see wisdom. And God provides that. And so we have this positional change that happens, and that's a one-time event that doesn't, that doesn't change. But here what we see in this phrase, put on the new self, keep putting on, that's the verb, keep putting on the new self, that is a personal challenge for every day. That's a daily goal. And, and it's, uh, the way it's written, it's written in somewhat of an ancient wisdom type way of this picture of taking off old clothes, putting on new clothes. In the ancient world, uh, that would have been a very common way of expressing a change of behavior. It's a, it's a phrase, uh, an idea that would have been used in the ancient world just to describe a change in our behavior. And I, I think the illustration, I think it still makes sense. I got some I got some new clothes for Christmas, and, I, and I'm wearing them. I like them. They're clean. I think they look nice. Some of you even gave me some compliments about my shirt. You like my shirt. Thank you. Right? I got some new clothes, and so I wore my new clothes that I got for Christmas. I did not steal this shirt from under the Christmas tree out there. My wife, my wife gave me this shirt for Christmas. But I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine... Knowing, knowing, I just told you, I just told you I got these pants, got this shirt for Christmas, and now you know that. But imagine that I showed up this morning, and this is what I was wearing, All right? My, my shorts that are ripped, they've got paint on. This is what I wear when I'm mowing. This is what I wear when I'm uh, stacking wood, when I'm outside, uh, gross and stinky or whatever. This, this, is, this, is, this is what I wear. Imagine that, that this is the, the, what I wore instead of these nice pants. I wore that this morning. Imagine, imagine going out in public wearing this shirt. Can you imagine in, in, in public wearing this? You know, you got these, oh, this, this horrible outfit. Can you imagine? Like, you're, you, I have access to this, but I chose to wear this. Can you imagine? I think it would cause some questions, right? You would come up probably and say, Hey, are you okay? Hey, blink, th- blink three times if you need help. Are you homeless? Is everything all right? And imagine in response to your concern, your question, I said, Actually, yeah, I, uh, the, the snoring has finally got to my wife. To the point where I she, she, I'm 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 in, I'm in the shed. She's making me sleep in the shed, and she won't let me have clean clothes out there. So uh, yeah, you need to pray for me. Life is life is really bad. And and you might say you know what I, I, I feel I feel really bad. The poor guy's homeless and but this, and, and he looks terrible. I mean he looks terrible but what can he do? It's all he has. It's all he has. He doesn't have access to anything else. But what if you knew that I've been given this to wear but chose to wear this instead? Well, you wouldn't feel bad for me anymore, would you? You'd wonder, what is wrong with you? you? You've been given brand new clothes to wear. Wear them, right? That's what you would think in your mind. You might even have the boldness to say, why would you go back and wear these old gross clothes when you've been given brand new clean clothes? And that's the challenge of Ephesians 20, uh, twenty-four, twenty-four. Put on the new, <coughs> the new self. Live the new life. Every day. Listen, I, I don't know what but goals, if any, that you have for 2024. Maybe maybe you walked in here this morning, kind of like I was at the gym, you're thinking more about lunch than your goals, and that's fine, I get it. But we are starting a brand new year. And just from my heart to yours, if you've been living year after year after year without Jesus, I've been praying for you. I've been praying that this will be the day, that this will be the year that you you decide that you don't want to live life without Jesus anymore, that you want to take that step of faith and trust Jesus Christ to do for you what you can't do for yourself, that you want to trust him to give you this this new heart, this new life, this new way of seeing the world. If we can help in any way... And maybe you just want to kind of start on our main page of our website, gracefellowship.online, gracefellowship.online. It's like the second button says, I'm ready. It's a really great place to start. You're certainly welcome to come and talk to me, to Pastor Tim, one of the pastors. I would also say this. If you've got questions, there's people in this room that you might know. If you know someone in this room that loves Jesus and you trust them, go talk to them. I, I, and just ask the question, I, I want to take the step of following Jesus, and I, I need you to help me understand it. Whatever, whatever we can do to help you with that, but I'm, I just want you to know we're praying for that. And if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and then can I just invite you, C- can, can, we, can we step into this new year together with the same collective goal? The goal that, that, that God has given us, that you and I, every day, week after week, all, the, all through this year, that we're gonna get up, and we're gonna take off the old self, we're gonna put on the new self, and we're gonna live the new life, and we're gonna help each other do that. We need to help each other do that. We need to pray for each other, we need to encourage each other. We need, we, we need the Lord's help, but we need, we need this too. We need to be together cheering each other on, praying for one another. It's a collective goal. Yes, it's personal, but it's something that we can achieve, uh, I think, a lot with with greater success rate if we do it together.